Welcome to the Bachelor One Podcast with Riley Aggie and CJ Arnold. In this episode, we wrap up our series, Pursuing Unity, by focusing on being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are super excited to be finishing our Pursuing Unity series. And this has been a super encouraging series for us going through. Uh, We're super thankful to you for joining the conversation, for listening, for the feedback that we've gotten. Um, It's just been really encouraging for us, and we hope that we've encouraged you. Yeah. And it's just been a really, really good thing for us to be talking about what it means to look more like Jesus and what it means to look more like a unified body. Um, And we've been doing that by reading Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter four, where he urges us to live a life uh, worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And he, and he kind of gives us a roadmap on how to do that. And it's, you know, through living in humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. Yeah. And it's just been really encouraging to go through that with Riley and with you and today we're we're diving a little bit further, and so Riley, you can set that up for us. Yeah, totally. Um, I also just want to say thank you to our listeners. I really appreciate all of the feedback and support that we've gotten from everyone, and it's so so encouraging, and it definitely keeps us going. So, um, yeah, with that, what's so cool about um, what we've done in this series is um, we've really highlighted that these characteristics that we feel like Paul is highlighting. Um, are important and they're not weak and how on the surface sometimes they they can seem weak but they're actually powerful for tearing down strongholds they're powerful in unifying uh, the church and so i'm really excited to kind of wrap up this series today but with that um let's read the verses that we have for today and that's ephesians 4 and it's 3 through 6 that we're going to read today so here's what it says eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to you all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I, the part that we're going to focus on the most today is being eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in it, in the bond of peace. And I just, I love the whole verse cause I feel like it's just a bombshell. It hits so good every time, but let me kind of break down the structure of that, that verse being eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Cause I think it'll help us kind of understand some verses we're going to read in the future. <clears throat> so what it means is being eager to make haste or um, yeah, make haste to watch over or guard your oneness in the spirit And that, the spirit, that which binds you together in peace. And that word peace is is really beautiful. It's irene in the Greek, and it means one. So (laughs) unity, that which binds you together in oneness. Um, But it also means peace or quietness or rest. And one of my my favorite definitions of it is wholeness. Mm. And so like properly, it comes from iro, which means to like to join or tie together into a whole. 
so properly it's wholeness when all essential parts are joined together. And I think that is, it's like God's gift of wholeness. So as we talk about diversity, as we talk about unity, this word of peace is so beautiful because it means all proper parts working together in wholeness and in health. Yeah. And what I love about this verse is Paul kind of breaks down what that wholeness is Mm -hmm. um, earlier in Ephesians and Ephesians 2, and we'll read that in a minute. Um, But what what I love is, if you notice, it says to maintain the unity. Mm. And um, that's something that I think we as, you know, the the title of this series is Pursuing Unity. Mm. And... We, we started that because we really wanted to see the church come together and we want to see the church come together and not be torn apart by all of the, the hurt and the pain, the injustice, the, you know, wedge issues politically mm-hmm. um, that, have, that have just kind of risen to the surface in, in new force mm-hmm. in the last year and a half. And we want to see the church come together but we aren't creating the church today is not creating this unity. We're not creating what we need to have mm. unity. Mm. Christ already did that. Yeah. Christ broke down all the barriers and mm. Christ is what allows us and his spirit is what allows us to come together in unity. Yeah. And it's something that we as the church are called to safeguard yeah. and maintain. And I feel like enter into. And yeah, enter into. It's Christ made this possible and invites us into it. And those who follow him are called to live into it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, and Ephesians 2 really, really opens up and shows how yeah. Christ did that, if you want to share that. Absolutely. I feel like the the context is written very specifically to Jew and Gentile, but I feel like it also really applies to the divisions that we have here in 2021. Absolutely. And so I want to just kind of read that with those in mind. Um, But okay, I'm going to start here, Ephesians 2, I'm going to start on verse 13. But now in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Peace, remember, means wholeness, mm. harmony, um, to- togetherness. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man or humanity in the place of two, so making peace, wholeness, harmony, and might reconcile us both in God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. And for through him, we both have access to one spirit, to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think in the episode with my dad on racial reconciliation, we talked about that verse and we talked about Jesus killing the hostility. Yeah. Killing. Yeah. And that's so, so powerful. And it's really convicting because I know like there are certain issues for me and they might not be the same issues that make other people feel hostile. And there I know, and I'm related to lots of people who 
get hostile or have the ability to get hostile around certain issues. Um, and you know, I think for me, every time I can think of where that hostility has kind of taken over in hindsight, I can confidently say it was never when I was modeling Jesus. Well, Mm. um, and so I think that's just a really powerful, powerful verse because, you know, when, and you, and you see Jesus in scripture and like, there were times when he was angry and yeah. there were times when he was violent in his expression of that anger. Um, but his tendency and his habitual, you know, response to people was gentle it wasn't hostile. Yeah. You know, it was kind and gracious and that's what he calls us into. Yeah. It's so cool that like it, these words like abolish and kill and tear down. Um, Jesus did those through the characteristics in my opinion that we've talked about like humility and gentleness and meekness and patience and those things were actionable and they, they took him ultimately to the cross where he did this Mm -hmm. and he did it because he loved us so much. And I think the point that I want to talk about in that, um, in pursuing unity is that Jesus, he's, he's the one that makes a way for us to have unity, to find unity, to enter into this unity. It's not something like you said, to reiterate that we create, it's something that's been created that we are, we are invited into. That's why Paul says to live a life worthy of the call that we've been already called to, that Jesus has called us by name and he wants us in his family. He said, Jesus so loved the world. He so loved the cosmos that he gave his only son. And so it's, it's this invitation for us to step into this unity. And I think like what's, what's cool too about talking about there's one body and one spirit is that the, the Holy spirit enables us to have the same mind and the same spirit as Christ who was anointed with him. And that means that even though we run into people who have differences, even though we run into people who make us angry, we're able to to love them in a way and to and to move past those differences into something even greater. Yeah, and that is exactly what Paul is fleshing out further when we jump back to Ephesians 4 where he talks about one body, one spirit, hmm. right? Yeah. And one of the the wonderful things about that is you know we we can look at the church now and and i'm happy to say like i can see in a lot of churches and a lot of people that i know um there has been this big unity movement and you yeah. can start to see some of the really amazing things when you have these people who used to be segregated for lack of a better word yeah um starting to work together and come together and you know, they're not agreeing on everything and they don't have, they're not even agreeing on or, or saying I have the same role as you now, you know, because that's not what it is. Right. Yeah. But they're saying I can work with you because we have, we both are working for Jesus. Like I might not have the same priorities as you. I might not have the same passion as you, but I can come alongside you in what you're doing and support you um, and love you. And you can come alongside me and I'm going to welcome you alongside me to support me and yeah. love me. Um, and it's, it's such a beautiful thing. I'm actually just going to share a story. Yeah. Um, that was really encouraging to me. If you listen to the episode with my dad, he shared a story about uh, a pastor or uh, yeah, a pastor 
and another pastor at a different church swapping places and then the worship leaders getting to know each other and and start the worship leaders starting to write music together at these two different churches it was a predominantly black church and predominantly white church and it was so such such a cool thing that was happening you know two three months ago now Mm -hmm. and then recently just in the last week and a half or so um i found out that there's now a bunch of kids from the youth groups are going to the other church's youth group and vice versa. So they're yeah. doing these youth groups together now. Yeah. And so now like the young people in these churches are seeing the leaders in their churches model what it looks like to, to be have unified. unity. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and so it's just like a praise God moment. Like the church in the city is starting to work together and learn together and grow together. Um, and it's just a really beautiful thing. And so, you know, we can do unity badly and have diversity um, that isn't, or sorry, a lack of diversity Yeah. Um, in, in our churches. But when you see unity done well, it's so life-giving. Yeah. It's attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of, uh, of the, you, you kind of set all that up with that there's one body and one spirit. And I kind of want to just talk about that a little bit. There being one body and one spirit and, and just flesh that out a little bit because I feel the picture of the body for me enhances the word peace in the context of unity so much. And the reason why I say that is that the word peace, again, it means wholeness and it's the proper word for health. Like go in health means go in peace. And so what it's so cool to me is that like a Jewish person living in this time to them being, being at peace means, or, or being in, in health means have all, all of the parts together working. Mm-hmm. And so a healthy church that's at peace looks like all of the parts together working. Mm. And and so for me, that's like bodies are diverse. They have different parts. Every part has different specific functions. They look different. They act different, but they're all enabled by the same spirit. If you just think about a person, they have a spirit that's in them. And that spirit enables the body to work together and move and, and you know, interact with other things. And I think that that's a beautiful picture that you look different than me. I look different than you. I, I have my own life. I have my own dreams and I have my own plans and my own job, but we're enabled by the same spirit to, to join into the, to one hope that we've been called to mm-hmm. one baptism, one love, one father, one, you know, that we're, 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 we're entering into this thing that is, that supersedes every other identity. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't erase our identity. It enhances it. And I think in some ways we find who we really are in Christ. Right. We find who we are really made to be in Christ. And I think that's just a really beautiful picture. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I think one of the, the really amazing things, well, let me start with the contrast. One of the really sad things, um, is that the church has not done a great job of that historically, um, on, on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I fully believe that there are churches who do it really well, and there are individuals who do it really well and love like Jesus loves really well. Yeah, those people who do it really well still don't do it right all of the time because we're all human. <laughs> yeah, we're not Jesus. Right, but one of the the sad things is, I know so many people, and I'm I'm sure you and our listeners do too, who have seen people hurt because the church 
was not modeling unity well. Mm. They excluded people. They shamed people, whether it was because of the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, their political leanings, whatever it was. Um, They've experienced Christians who shame them and shun them um, or are hostile Mm. to them Mm. um, because of those things. And it's pushed people away from Jesus because we are, we're, we're the representations of Jesus here. You know, we're, we're yeah. his hands and feet, his ambassadors, right? We're supposed to draw people to him through imitating his love and grace and compassion and justice. Yeah. Um, so the, the flip side, the positive side of that is really exciting because yeah. we also, when we do it well, attract people. Like the, the love of Jesus, when it's fleshed out in our relationships is so attractive people mm-hmm. are like i want that yeah you know and that's something that i i've gotten to see and experience you know a little bit in my life and I, i'm so thankful for that and it's it's really like encouraging when when you do have those experiences with with people who are attracted to the jesus and mm-hmm. seeing the relationships and the love and the just the pouring into other people in a healthy way yeah um I won't get into that side of it because um, there is an unhealthy way to pour into people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just so it's encouraging, but it's also sobering because that yeah. that is what we are called to do. Um, and it's a really beautiful thing because like we were talking about, like wholeness and health and peace and harmony. There are all these things that Jesus has called us into, invited us into and did the work to make possible. Yeah. Um. And so we we have this this incredible call yeah. to reconcile people with God and man. Yeah. I feel like what you were talking about to this unity movement, I really feel like this generation has an opportunity to really move forward in, in the things of unity. And I feel like I'd, I'm just so excited that so many people are stepping up. Yeah. That so many people are getting on board with this because I feel like the more that we do it, the more power we're going to see. In one of the Psalms, it talks about like how beautiful it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. Mm. It says that God commands his blessing. Mm. Um, if it's okay, I want to just share a little testimony yeah. about, about the negative side, but also God kind of speaking through it to me. I was in a church um, one time, and, and not going to name anyone, but the pastor was preaching, and it was a good preach. But at one point in the preach, the, the best way that I could visualize what he was doing was he was, he just threw some, he started kind of shooting some missiles at other denominations mm, yeah. and the way they did church. And for some reason it just really irked me. And, um, I wasn't mad at him, but I was just like, man, like that is kind of what we do with our denomination sometimes. And you know, there's the people who speak in tongues and there's the people who don't, there's the people who believe in apostles and prophets now. And there's the people who don't, you know, there's people that are Lutheran and Catholic and all the different things we follow. And so to my story, though, it just, it, it, it didn't sit right with me. And I was wondering why so much. Um, and I felt the, the Holy Spirit speak to me about unity. And the thing that he said was so sobering for me. And it was that a disconnected body is a dead body. Mm. And it just, I was like, ooh, like the picture of a dismembered body was like, gross. Yeah. And it, it, and it stuck with me that he was saying that like, when you divide yourselves, you are breaking the unity that I fought for. You're breaking the very thing I died for. Yeah. And I know that's like the extreme picture, 
but it for me it made me go wow we really need to do some work to enter back in back to one get back to one if we're going to use our title as something because i do really believe it's an opportunity this generation has an opportunity to step into those things to step into the peace that that jesus preached to those who were far and to those who are near that peace that that the wholeness and the harmony and the rest and the health that we find in Jesus Christ. And that means we have to be eager to maintain Mm. the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And that means sometimes not pushing our opinion on speaking in tongues. I think speaking in tongues is great. That's my opinion. But if I want to maintain unity, I might not lead with that and like argue. (laughs) And I might not like try to push my point and change someone's mind and debate them. Like right. my, my job is to love them and to make sure that they feel like they have a place in the body of Christ right? first and foremost. Yeah. And I, I think that that is um, a really important thing to understand is that the greatest commandment mm. is to love God and love your neighbor. And the verse that comes to mind is second corinthians five sixteen, and hmm. says so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded christ in this way we do so no longer hmm. and 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 other translations it says we regard no one according to the flesh yeah and i think so 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 often we we see people through this lens of the world really where you know we i we we put identities on them that aren't in christ Mm. and we we've we've talked about you know in our in just our last episode we talked about having your identity in christ and the importance of that for for your own you know relationship with jesus and then being able to love other people but we also have to look at other people and put their identity in christ um, and yeah, that's that's a huge thing, CJ. That's good. Yeah, and because if I look at you and I put your identity in your political agenda, your sexual orientation, you know, your stance on whatever, whatever your denomination, whatever it is, right? There's so many things. Um, <laughs> you know, it can break down into whether or not you think weed should be legal. You know, yeah, like whatever it is, you know, I can. If I if I put your identity in that, I start to treat you in a certain way and value you in a certain way. But if mm. I put your identity in Jesus and realize that we are exactly the same, <laughs> mm. you know, both fully loved and fully known by God, but also uniquely created mm. pieces of art. Like yeah. I am gonna have to love you and it kind of goes back to humility when we we've talked about humility and, and kind of recognizing who we are and having, having a right view Mm. um, and a true view of who we are um, and our worth. And then also having that translate into seeing other people and their true worth and seeing the person rather than the issue. Mm. Right. And valuing their humanity. I think in that too, you talked about how we are like fearfully and wonderfully made, uniquely made by a creator God. And in the same way, we also share humanity with them. We are also 
struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. We also struggle with sexual issues. We struggle with sin issues. Like, yeah, we all kind of miss the mark as humanity. And I think what's amazing is that Jesus was fully human. It's one of the things we talked about in the first podcast that Jesus fulfilled what it means to be human. Mm. And it, I feel like he re- reiterates that on the cross. He says there's two people and he, he makes a new man or a new humanity, right? The word man is actually human. He makes a new humanity on the cross and we enter into that. We enter into that through the blood of Christ and we can't do it in our own strength because I think we, we, are, we also uniquely share that, that we all have flaws mm. and yet we're all loved by Christ. Yeah. And so none of us can boast the church can't boast that we're perfect. We can only boast in Christ. Right. And I think that's an important thing because when we come together in unity, we're not boasting that like, look what we did, look at the unity we created. We're actually, we become a display yeah. of Christ's glory and power and love. And that changes people. It changes our rough edges. It changes our political stances. It changes our opinions on things because when we follow Christ, it means we have to leave stuff behind. Mm-hmm. If anyone would follow me, let him pick up his cross, die to himself daily, and and come after me. So dying to yourself means you're, you're leaving some things behind. And I don't know exactly what those are. I'm not saying you need to do something specifically politically. But all I know is in my pursuit of Christ, I've had to lay down a lot of sinful issues. I've had to lay down a lot of opinions and agendas. Yeah. But I've, I've, I've loved it because on the other side of the pain of letting those things go, I've found more life than I've found anywhere in my life. And I, I want everyone to experience that love. Yeah. And I think um, we we were talking prior to recording about, you know, the, the picture of being one body. And you, you were talking, you know, about how, you know, my, my arm and my leg might be different, but they're still moved and motivated by one spirit, which we call Riley, yeah. you know? Um, and the verse comes to mind, I don't know the reference off the top of my head, but I think it's Paul who says, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Mm. You know, so so as you, I have this picture of my body, right? My hand and my feet, like my feet need my hands to put shoes on them yeah. <laughs> and tie the laces and put socks on them. But my hands need my feet, you know, to go anywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and they have completely different roles but they need each other yeah. and they have to be able to communicate and they communicate because they're both cj you know and the church if if it's no longer i who lives but christ who lives in me you know the church we might have different roles we might have different perspectives but we're motivated because it's christ who's controlling our lives yeah you know, because we've submitted to him because we have one Lord. Yeah. I think even in that ministry of reconciliation verse that you brought up, because it says that we're minist- that Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that we are urging people to be reconciled to their God who loves mm-hmm. them so much. And then it says, therefore, we, know regard- we, we now regard no one according to the flesh. I think later on that verse, it even says that if we're out of our minds, it's for Christ's sake, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> it's like, if we're crazy, it's for Christ. Like what we do is all motivated by Christ. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, like that's what we want to enter into. That's what we want to be eager to maintain. One body, one spirit, one hope one Lord, one love, one Father. Like there's so many things that we have in common. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so beautiful that 
God loves to, he loves the outcasts. He loves bringing them into the, it says God sets the solitary in families. But I just, I think about how God actually designed it so that we can't do it without each other. Mm. That the church isn't going to look beautiful and glorious until we all come together in unity. And the more people that are added to it, the more people that uniquely contribute to it, the more beautiful our world becomes. And I think this calling that we talked about is that calling that Israel had, which was given to Abraham thousands of years ago, which is, I'm going to bless you Mm. so I can make you a blessing. Yeah. And I think that the minister of reconciliation is is not just to Christian groups, but it's to the world that they would actually experience this gospel that's life changing, that that is forgiveness, that is purpose, that is finding your identity in the context of other humans, but also in the creator God. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a beautiful, huge calling that is too big to unpack in four episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, I think the, if you just proof that it's too big is, you know, we've had probably, you know, I can't even count how many hours of conversations Mm. outside of the, you know, what, two hours of conversations we've had Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Um, But it's so, I'm just so encouraged right now because 2020 was one of the, not one of, it was the worst year of my life mm. um, in so many ways. It was, and I mean, it's hard to even describe without, you know, you know how testimonies are, you know, you can do 15 seconds or three hours. Um, <laughs> there's no in between. Um but just not even for my life, but for the church, like I just yeah. saw so much hurt and so much disunity and, you know, so much division over things that honestly were painful that the church couldn't rally around, you know. Um, but then out of that, I feel like I saw so many people lose their blinders Mm. and and i saw so many people start to have conversations and and recognize and myself being one of those people and i think 2020 was was an unveiling of some of the biggest issues we have in the church now Mm. and i think god didn't miss the opportunity to work (laughs) in people's lives and people's hearts and and 2021 might not be the year where, you know, the whole world changes because the church started to unify. But 2021 might be the year that the church starts to unify and changes yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, begins the changing of the world, mm. you know. And I, I am one to pray big and ask for big things mm. because... I have an extremely active imagination, but I also believe that God will do abundantly more than I could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, That's Ephesians as well, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. I've read I've read Ephesians He'll do a abundantly lot. <laughs> more than you could ever ask, hope, dream, or imagine. It's like better than your wildest dreams. That's what Jesus is going to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
So dream I, away. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you might have something else to share, but I also just want to ask you after you do that to just pray for unity in the Absolutely. church. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to read a verse that has really touched me, um, which I felt like kind of goes along the, the unity thing that I feel like is a response. So in Isaiah 58, um, there's basically the people of Israel asking, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled, humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Um, and he says, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers. He says, behold, the only fast to quarrel and to fight and to hit with wicked fists, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And he kind of goes into the fact that you're fasting and you're basically saying, come bless this thing that I'm doing. See how humble I am. See this good work I'm doing in my church, for example. But I think this, this unifying that happens, they unify around, God says, when you unify around feeding the poor, poor when you unify around bringing the oppressed into into families, feeding them and clothing them, doing the things that Jesus did with his whole life, then there's this blessing. So I'd like to read that because I feel yeah. like it's just pertinent to us. So it says, is this not the fat? Is this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him, and to not hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing spring up speedily. Your righteous shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and make your bones strong. You shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins will be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, hmm. the restorer of the streets to dwell in. So Jesus, I just I just reiterate that prayer, God, that as the church comes together, and I just call it out that we would come together around you, that we would rally for the poor and the afflicted, that we would love like you loved. And as we do that, God, that you would bring the blessing that has the power to restore ancient ruins, God, the people that have experienced years of oppression would would experience your healing, mm-hmm. God, that they would be restored and not just restored back to where they were, but restored beyond their wildest dreams, Jesus. I pray that your, that your son would rise over Tacoma and over America and over the world, Jesus. I pray those big prayers. And I just keep calling out your church more and more, person by person, Jesus, anyone that's listening now, that you would continually encourage them on their journey of chasing after you and loving your body and loving those around them. I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to speak your words and your life and to feed people. And we would give out of our means and beyond our means. In Jesus' name, amen.